bow your hearts in prayer with me this morning. Father God, you are truly great. And we repeatedly fall short of that greatness. And so Lord, we, we come here this morning declaring that we in and of ourselves are not enough but that we need you and your help and, and we need you completely to save us and we need you to lead us in paths of righteousness. We need you to help us to how to live, how to go to work tomorrow, how to love our families. We need your help in this. Lord, would you give us wisdom It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of my favorite, purely from an entertainment standpoint, Johnny Cash songs of all time. It's one piece at a time. And for those of you who know the song, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And for the rest of you who are just poor, innocent suckers or ignorant suckers on this matter, I will inform you that, that he, he tells the story of a man who works at a GM plant in Detroit and dreams of owning one of these Cadillacs that comes off the line day after day after pouring his own blood, sweat, and tears into him. And so he hatches a plan that he will, with his lunch pail and the, occasionally the help of his friends, he will get one piece of the car out a day until he has everything he needs for a car, and then he'll build his car, and he'll drive his own Cadillac that didn't cost him a dime. And it ends up being a, a 51, 52, 53, 54, 55 automobile, and then it goes on. But he, it has one tail fin, mismatching headlights, but he says in there, GM will not miss one little piece, especially if I spread it out over the years. We've been talking the last month and a half or so about wisdom and the riches of wisdom from, from the book of Proverbs and the robbers that come to steal that wisdom. And this morning we're talking about the last robber and the robber's name is folly. And what folly does to us is what Johnny Cash sang about doing to GM. Gets his way in. And slowly, one piece at a time, just continues to steal. And then we, we don't even realize it's happening. And then one day we look back and we say, how did I get here? What has happened? My life is not what I want it to be. I just feel like I've been pillaged and I don't know when it started. But when we're honest and we look back, we can see time after time where folly crept up and we went right after it. And we let it have its way with us. Proverbs portrays this one robber as, as kind of a, a summary of all the robbers. That as we put together the, uh, looking at the, the robbers of whether it's lust or selfish indulgence or, or wickedness and laziness, that all of them, what they all have in common is foolishness and folly. And foolishness and folly, it comes in speaking to your own lack of need. 
You don't need anything. You're great just the way you are. You don't need anyone to tell you that you're wrong. It has a voice of affirmation. And then it has a voice of zero consequence. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to pay any consequences to what you do. The consequences are for lesser people, but you're cut of different stock. In general, Proverbs has two words when it comes to folly by way of advice. Stay away. In Proverbs 26, I'm going to start reading verse 4 and read a few verses. Listen to the warnings. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Whoever sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Like a lame man's legs which hang useless is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like one who binds a stone in a sling is one who gives honor to a fool. Like a thorn that goes up in the hand of a drunkard is like a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like an archer who wounds everyone is the one who hires a passing fool or drunkard. Like a dog that returns to his own vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Proverbs 17, 12 says that let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. That you would be better off standing between a mother bear and her cubs than spending time with a fool in his foolishness. This morning we're going to look at a composite sketch, if you will, of the robber folly. And look at these characteristics that you, would, you should see and say, that's folly, I want nothing to do with it, that's foolishness, I'm going to keep it at bay. Within the book of Proverbs, there's, there's mainly three words used for the word that we see translated as foolishness or folly, and they paint a picture of someone who's not concerned with knowledge because either they can't focus long enough to learn or they simply don't want to. Someone who is bent towards the carelessness of sin and who is boorish and unaccepting of correction. And so for today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to boil these down into a sketch of a robber that, with characteristics that we see around us. And if we're honest, we probably see these characteristics in us from time to time as well. And so the robber of folly can be identified, first of all, as prideful. This robber is particularly prideful. In, in Proverbs 12, we have this, this image of the pride, although there was some of this image 
in Proverbs 26 that we just read from. In Proverbs 12, verses 15 to 16, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores the insult. One of the defining characteristics of a fool in, a, in, a, in his folly is that it is seemingly impossible to correct this person. They will never admit, admit to being wrong because from their own perspective, everything they do is right and fully justified. They'll never say they're wrong. Those words don't exist in their vocabulary. They are never at a loss for words. And this stems from having a view of self that is entirely too high. They are always right in their own eyes. I saw a beautiful contrast of this yesterday. Some of you were here today, or here yesterday for a wedding. And when there's so many couples on their wedding day that say, you know what, we have this great love and this love is going to carry us through and we don't need anything but the love we have for each other. This couple chose to have the congregation at their wedding saying, I need you, Jesus. That even as they're standing at the altar to proclaim their vows and exchange rings, before they did any of that, they had to declare, I have a need for Jesus. I can't do marriage without Jesus. Whereas the prideful fool would say, I don't need any help. And while Proverbs tells us the fool is known as soon as they open their mouth, personal pride is a lot more subtle for precisely this reason. I want you to think of the last disagreement you had with someone, like a good strong disagreement. That disagreement existed because two people were convinced of their own rightness. I don't, I don't want to talk about whatever issue it was. We're not going to have an open mic time. I don't, I don't see that going particularly well. But I want you to think of how convinced you were of your own rightness and how convinced the other person was of their own rightness. I'm not concerned at the moment with who was actually right, but the fact that both had sincere reasons to think they were right. And it can be a really good thing to stand on your convictions, especially when your convictions are founded in Scripture. That's a great thing. But it is a dangerous thing to assume you're the smartest person in the room. And especially when we are dealing with other believers, when a Christian is dealing with another Christian and there is a disagreement, there needs to be a beginning starting place in that disagreement that is a thirst for wisdom and understanding of what the Lord would have, rather than the assertion that we are the source of wisdom in that given moment. If you would only listen to me, if you would only read the same books and watch the same shows as I do, then you would clearly see. Let us not assume that we have the monopoly on knowledge, but let us with humility chase after wisdom and what it has to offer. And pridefulness has a lot of, of this bad outflow. You know, the wrongness in the, in, the, in the 
in the minds of the prideful and the folly, according to Proverbs 10, is just a joke to them. Doing wrong is a joke. But pride, like gluttony, is a sin by the Bible standards and gets a pass in our culture. You should be proud of who you are. You need to stand up for your dignity. Let's look down on those who are meek and mild. And for the believer, there should never be a time when a trait that our Savior says is blessed, like meekness, for example, should be looked down on or used as an insult in a way that's okay by us. And yet oftentimes we hold up values that would betray these things that our Savior says is blessings. And so we need to take our pride as seriously as the Bible does. The second trait in this composite sketch is that the robber folly is identified as reckless. Going over to Proverbs 14, I'm going to read quickly verses 12 through 18. There's a way of man that seems, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its, its end is the way of death. Even in laughter, the heart may ache. And the end of joy may be grief. The backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways. A good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but the fool is reckless and careless. A man of quick temper acts foolishly. And the man of evil devices is hated. The simple inherit folly, and the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Plain and simple, folly does not care. It does not care about feelings of others. It does not feel about consequences. It, it does not care about you. It doesn't care. Folly doesn't care about what will happen a few hours from now, or even what is happening right now, folly is insistent on fixing in, in a very grotesque and distorted way what may have happened anywhere from five minutes ago to five years ago with no thought of the future or what's currently happening in the present. It is reckless. It is quick-tempered, self-justified, and willing to do whatever is necessary to get its own personal point across. It is easy to see how pride and recklessness go hand in hand, how being right in your own eyes at all times leads to trampling over whoever and whatever is necessary in order to declare your own rightness. Folly, we see here in these verses, uses anything from words to actions equally to get what it wants. In, 20, in Proverbs 26 that we read at the beginning, verse 10, it compares folly to an archer that seems to hit everyone around and misses the target. That they just, you imagine an archery competition like at the Olympics and you just see someone just waving the arrow and randomly letting go and doing that over and over and over again. 
Folly is reckless because it views everything and everyone as a means to the end. The fool here, specifically in 14, as well as many other places in Proverbs, is is contrasted with the prudent, with the careful, with the cautious. The simple, verse 15, believes everything. Oh, I can get rich quick doing that? Oh, that's a way I don't have, I can get out of my trouble? Oh, I don't, those laws that apply to everyone else magically don't apply to me? Oh, God's words and God's ways aren't what I need to pursue? Oh, I am the center of the universe? It believes everything. But the wise, the cautious, the prudent gives thoughts to his steps. What will happen if I use my finances in a certain way? What will happen if I embrace these different characteristics and values? What will the fallout be or the benefit be? The fool will spout off without a thought. Then when called to account, will either deny it or laugh it off. Proverbs tells us as one who throws fiery bands at a neighbor's house and then gets caught and just says, oh, I was only kidding. And how often do we see people either get caught in a lie or get exposed for who they are and then when that bright light is shining on their darkness, they try to make a joke out of it. The people who really know who I am know that I was clearly kidding there. Instead of owning their wrongness and repenting and accepting correction. And the fool and the folly does not accept correction because it is unteachable. Very back at the beginning of Proverbs, when we have the beginning of knowledge, the the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, Proverbs 1.7 And then there's this contrasting statement. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That for me to say I'm going to pursue wisdom is going to say I'm going to start with who God is and I'm going to start with a reverent view of the Lord and the opposite of a reverent view of the Lord is saying I am going to despise instruction and correction. In in Proverbs 13, 16. In everything the prudent acts with knowledge, but a fool flaunts his folly. Look at this great mistake I made. Going on to verse 18. Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. A desire fulfilled is sweet to the soul, but to turn away from evil is an abomination to fools. It is unteachable, and I find that people are often unteachable for a couple of reasons. One, they simply don't want to learn, change, or grow. I am just fine the way I am. If you can't accept me, if if God can't accept me the way I am, then whatever, and they walk off. If you can't accept me the way I am, and, and wisdom says, the way I am needs changed. 
The fear of the Lord says the way that I am isn't right. There's something wrong in here. I need God to work in my heart. Instead of despising correction, flaunting our wrongness, refusing to repent. 26, 18, and 19 of Proverbs where we we see the person laughing off the harm that they've done. We are unteachable because we make excuses or laugh off what we've done wrong and what is called evil in the sight of God. And a second way that people become unteachable is they disable their ability to learn. Imagine Imagine an Olympic sprinter who spends more on shoes than you probably do on your car. Before their races, just for the fun of it, drop in a thumbtack or two in their shoes. Shaking it up, they want to be surprised where it will poke them, and then trying to run. They're, They're going to disable their ability to use their gifts, to use what they worked for. And we do this with folly. And I think one of the biggest ways we do this is we surround ourselves with the wrong voices of affirmation. And this takes on two well-known phrases. One is echo chambers and the other is confirmation bias. If we wanted to add a third, we'd just say Google algorithm. You know, that great thing where you're talking about I want to find a new recipe for tacos. And then you open your phone, and you have ads for new recipes for tacos. But then it goes into deeper ideas and deeper things. And so that you're only surrounded by certain certain ideas, and and it creates this inability to tolerate anything else, and you and we make ourselves unteachable. And we get ourselves to where we are. This is the only right way because all 27 blogs that advertise to me all believe in the same thing. And here's what it looks like. It looks like auditions to American Idol. Where someone who has no business singing, who cannot carry a tune in a bucket, has been told their whole life what a beautiful voice they have. And so then they come and they stand in front of Grammy award-winning artists and producers. They sing the worst rendition of Happy Birthday possible. And they are shocked because they're they're 20-something and for the first time in their life, someone has told them you should never sing again as a service to humanity. (laughs) Because they've disabled their ability to learn by only listening to what they want to listen to. God gave us minds to think, the ability to discern right from wrong and foolish from wise. And part of loving the Lord with all your mind is taking time to think and process and properly diagnose a logical fallacy and and a wrong argument, even when the end of that argument is something you want to agree with. To say, okay, the conclusion might be okay, but I don't like how you got there. And until you can get there the right way, I'm not going to accept that. 
or to say, I like some of where you're getting, but how you get there is contrary to Scripture and belittles the fruit of the Spirit and belittles the words of my Savior who died for me and belittles the words of the God who spoke light into existence, and so I'm not going to accept it until you can do it in a way that doesn't demean God's word. And the world needs Christians who are going to process all of their information that way. And not to just accept something we want to hear. We need to be teachable on all fronts and let God's word guide us in all ways. Because we live in a world where people surround themselves with affirmation, confirmation bias, echo chambers, and where they live in this upside down version of of, of I think, therefore I am, where they just say, I identify as, therefore I am. And I'm just going to argue that people on all sides of the political spectrum do exactly that, but they put different words to it. And when we start with the fear of the Lord, we don't say, I think blank, therefore I am. We don't say, I identify as, therefore I am. We say, God created me in his likeness. I have fallen, I am redeemed. Therefore, I am, by the grace of God, the salt of the earth, in a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And we operate and live as that, letting our wisdom start and remain in who God is. And we keep ourselves teachable. Because the very foundation is that I am a person in need of correction and in need of grace, and God is the one who gives me both perfectly, and the only one who does that. So this is the sketch of the robber. Here's what the robber brings. The robber of folly will bring with it, and this is very much a you reap what you sow for the first two in particular, will bring with it suffering. Proverbs 13 Verses 19 and 20, the desire fulfilled is sweet to the soul, but to turn away from evil is an abomination. Sorry, I want to go to 20 and 21. Whoever walks in the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Disaster pursues sinners, but but the righteous are rewarded with good. Verses 20 and 21 of Proverbs 13. Plain and simple, there's a lot of suffering in life that you can't avoid. We live in a fallen world. People are going to get cancer. People are going to be in car accidents. We have, um, pray for a dear brother and Lord, Cullen Allen, who's the lead pastor of Reach Church, was riding his bike, hit a rock that jettisoned him off the trail, and he had to have an extensive leg surgery this week. So be praying for Reach Church and Pastor Cullen. There's some suffering you can't avoid, but there is a lot of suffering in this world that is self-inflicted through foolishness. Verse 21, disaster pursues the sinners. The companion of fools, verse 20, will suffer harm. How many times have you heard a testimony of someone 
And I know this isn't every testimony, and I don't hold these up as like, oh, those are the good testimonies. And people like me who accepted Jesus as a young age were like the secondary testimonies. Like, God's like, I saved them, but it really wasn't that hard. That's not, that's not a thing in my mind. But how many times have you heard someone who lived a really worldly life, and they came to Christ, and they, it's not that all their problems went away, but that walking with Jesus resolved a lot of the tension in their life. And there's just a natural blessing to wisely walking with the Lord in repentance and in growth and in community with other believers. The reason for that is because while disaster follows the sinners, Proverbs 13, 21, goodness and mercy follow those who are shepherded by the Lord out of Psalm 23. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, the Pastor Josh preached on a month or so ago. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do you believe this promise from God? Do you believe that God's work in your life will result in that? So the robber of folly brings with it suffering, and it brings with it struggle. Let's just go to chapter, I have a few verses up there. We're just going to go to chapter 10. The wise in heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Whoever winks the eye and causes trouble, uh, and a babbling fool will come to ruin. And then down in verse 14, the wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the fool brings ruin. Are you noticing a trend? There is an end to foolishness, and it is ruin every time. Sometimes it takes longer to get to, but it gets there. One of the problems with foolishness is that you might get away with it a few times and then feel untouchable until you're not, and it all gets unraveled, and it all comes to ruin. This, this happens for couple reasons. One, because there's natural consequences of walking in direct contradiction and denial of who the Lord is and what he set out. And secondly, it is God's mercy to provide us with an opportunity to repent and wake up. That God will give us to the consequences of our sin. And this brings us to the last thing the fool brings, and this is what I hope the fool would bring to us. And that's urgency that we would have an urgency, that there would be an urgency within us to repent. Leave the presence of the fool, Proverbs says, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but folly is deceiving. Fools mock at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoy acceptance. Would you hear the call of Proverbs? Multiple times in Proverbs, Solomon pleads out, listen to me, son. Accept my teaching. Listen to your mom. Accept this wisdom. Do not chase after foolishness and being unteachable and despising correction. Would you accept this teaching? And, and Verse 9 here is just such a strong contrast that fools would mock at a guilt offering. Why would I ever come to God and say that I am wrong? 
Why would I ever ask forgiveness from God? I don't have anything to ask forgiveness for. First John says that if we deny we have sin, we call God a liar. But the upright enjoy acceptance. The upright who have gone, who have given their guilt offering, they don't, they don't go on moping, but they enjoy the acceptance they have from the Lord. And so how do we how do we spurn the foolishness and flee towards what wisdom? There's a couple things. First of all, we need to choose better heroes. We need really good heroes, and we need to pick the right heroes. Our culture in every arena and even the church has a way of elevating fools. I say that not missing the irony that I'm standing on a stage in front of you. <laughs> but seriously, listen here. Evaluate your heroes and icons by these measures, and it will save you from a great deal of trouble. Every now and then, you can kind of see it coming. Someone gets propped up. They get pretty boastful, they get very proudful, and you think, boy, that's gonna come crashing down eventually, and it does. And other times you get caught up. Because we have a way, you know, the, the Bible, Paul tells Timothy, keep a close watch on your life and your doctrine. Both. And we have a way in the church of keeping a close eye on doctrine and not the life. And sometimes what's results of that is we find someone with good doctrine and good gifting and bad character. And we say, wow, this guy is really eloquent. This guy says stuff like I've never heard before. And we prop him up and we build him up and we're like, yeah, they're kind of a boastful jerk, but that's not a big deal. Except that Proverbs says that it's a gigantic deal. And the fruit of the Spirit talks about gentleness and self-control. So let our heroes be people who are living out this fruit of the Spirit and not in defiance of it. Let our heroes be people who are wise and careful with their words, who, who show humility, who, who admit when they make mistakes. And let us not only pick the right heroes, but let us have an urgency in trusting the Lord with ourselves. Just as 14.9 is this gospel nugget in Proverbs, we have, we have 17.24 in Proverbs. The discerning sets his face towards wisdom, but the eyes of the fool are on the ends of the earth. We have this opportunity before us. As I evaluate, as I look for how do I get out of the problems I'm in in my life? How do I turn things around? How do I, how do I pursue growth? Proverbs sets before us this choice. And it's a gospel choice. Am I going to look to the Lord or am I going to look out at the ends of the earth? Maybe the world will supply for me a hero 
who will come riding in over the horizon. Instead of saying, I need the Lord first and foremost. And I'm going to seek His ways. And I'm going to trust Him in this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Folly is a direct rejection of that. And think back, and I invite you to, if, you, if you've written down these verses, or if you go in the YouVersion app and you, you can find this outline with these verses, to go back and look at all the contrasts. We focused in really hard on the folly this morning. But go back and look this week at the contrast for those who are wise, who are discerning, who are seeking the Lord. There's so many treasures out there that folly would just deprive us of. And the Lord says, this is available to you. That you can walk in righteousness. That you can be accepted by the Lord. He is the one. He is the source. He is the one. Let us pray. Father, you are so good and you are so wise and we are in such great need of you. Lord, would we never stop realizing our need of you? Would we never get to the point where we think intellectually we've outgrown that? Or pragmatically we need something other than what you have offered? Lord, I pray that we would hear wisdom's call not just as a call to be smarter and make better decisions, but as a call to walk with you in the ways that you've designed us to walk. You are the Lord of all creation, and we come to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.